Good evening and welcome to episode 15 of Football Revisited. We've all passed late fitness tests this week and thankfully come through them. The Premier League weekend was full of goals, defensive howlers, and of course, VAR controversy. But we're not going to talk about any of that. Instead, we're going to focus on pundits and commentary, commentary teams and broadcasters in football. First of all, how are we all, gents? We all good? Yeah, all good. Radiant as per usual. Fantastic. Right, so as I mentioned, first segment this week is going to be about pundits. Um, the reason we're bringing this up, we had a, quite a heated debate after our last week's pod, so we thought it'd be good to bring that up this week. Um, so I just want to start it off with a quote, because I read a couple of articles. Um, this one's from Jonathan Liu of The Guardian. Um, I think it sums up quite nice what we're going to basically be talking about. So the quote is, what do we really want from football punditry? Do we want pundits to help us understand the game better or enjoy it more? In short, do we want explanation or entertainment? Sims, I'll come to you first because I believe in a previous podcast you gave that exact opinion. You use an anime coist as the entertainer and say Gary Neville as the explainer. So you can kick us off. Where do you stand on that side? I, I mean, for me, the first thing I'd say with commentary is you've just got to make a choice. So I, there's not many you can offer both, to be honest. Um, so I think, you know, you look at, like I said, McCoy's for me, he doesn't particularly offer um, the explanation maybe, but I'm entertained all the time, so I enjoy it. But then my problem with the likes of maybe Gary Neville or Jimmy Carragher um, is I don't find, I don't feel like in football they go in depth enough mid-game. That's probably as well because the game is so fast. It doesn't really lend itself to be able to break it down there and then, but um, but I find I just I just get frustrated. But I think my main issue with um, broadcasters at the moment isn't so much the in-game commentary, because as I said, I understand things go fast and it's you know it's difficult. It's what gets said in the studio, half-time, pre-game, and then some well, some of the absolute nonsense that gets spoken after a game for me. That's what winds me up. Three, four, man, anyone could jump in. Nick, you look like you want to... Um, on, in terms of commentary, I think this is right. In terms of that's why they can't go in-depth tactically at the time. is because then you see Monday Night Football with Carragher and Neville. And it's after they've had like a whole day or two on the tactical camera. Can they actually go in-depth analysis and actually pick apart goals or different systems? Because they picked apart Man City's kind of formation where they were playing kind of three at the back with Zinchenko kind of in the CDM role. Like watching the Man City game over the weekend, I did not notice that at all. And obviously, I watched it all ninety minutes. It w- and they didn't notice, and they were there as well. So it's that thing of you can't break it down at the time. So that, I think that's why McCoist is brilliant because I don't think even if you had like an Arsene Wenger commentating, he can't break it down in depth like fans would want. So I think as commentary, I think it is more about just enjoying. If you can get someone who can maybe pick out a thing or two that you don't know great like Neville does Carragher does from time to time but over the course of 90 minutes the way McCoy does it I think is the best in the business commentary wise and then with punditry I think for me it's um, the choice you give but what was the options like from that quote um, I think it was just entertainment doesn't it yeah explanation or entertainment uh, for me I think there's a balance to it I think um when it comes to punditry, it doesn't have to be one or the other. With 
commentary it kind of does. So I'll go, um, yeah, balance with my pundits, entertainment with my commentary. Rob? Um, like, I, I, I want to take inspiration from other sports. Uh, I'm, I'm a huge UFC fan. I love the way they work things out. They've normally got like a, a trio on commentary, but it's normally kind of two share the colour commentary and you've got one that's the play-by-play. I think you've got to get the right balance there. I think too often it's just that you'll hear about 30 seconds of play-by-play and no kind of colour commentary input. And like you'll just see little sections of the game kind of getting a bit stale there. So I think you need to find the right balance. But on the entertainment side, you've got to get the right people. Like Ali McCoist is on this upper echelon because he is just a really entertaining guy. Like we see that, you know, we've seen that over his career, like plenty of times on Question Sport, he is the funniest guy on there. Um, but ov- obviously, you don't want to kind of veer too much to that side where it becomes a bit of a comedy sport as well. Um, you've got like you've got to find the right balance. Who knows what the right balance is? Maybe like more. Uh, like I think there is room to kind of go a bit more in depth, but I think you just need the the Colin commentators need to be like just super on it and. You know, they need to be, it'll, it'll be like that blinking meme where Alan from The Hangover has got all those blinging maths going on. But yeah, yeah in, in, in an ideal world, it's that. But I think right now, Alan McCoyce is probably the best of what he does because even though he can't analyse it perfectly, he's just good at keeping us engaged. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You know, it could be a horrible nil-nil draw. You're having a good time because Alan McCoyce is on there. Yeah. Like he'll go off and just give an anecdote because he is, like you said, a naturally entertaining, naturally funny guy, and he doesn't make a joke of it. Like kind of, I know I'll be honest, Robbie Savage has got a bit better at it, but when he first started out, Robbie Savage was just a joke of a commentator. I'd say Martin Keown at the moment is a joke because he doesn't either. Mm. They are the lower echelon, and like you said, Danny McCoyst is on the other end of the scale. I think one thing I'd say with McCoyst, I mean we all love him, so we are inherently maybe a bit biased, but the thing that probably works in his favour is we don't see him every week. So we appreciate it a bit more because it's, it is almost like that, oh, it's McCoy's today, oh, brilliant, I'm going to enjoy. Whereas, obviously, in fairness to an Evel, Carragher, even Martin Keogh and the likes of these people, when you see him week in, week out, you know, it, it's a bit of a chore. And then, obviously, you pair him with Martin Tyler, who's just, you know, absolutely bastard, but no, sorry. Um, and again, that's another thing, you know, McCoy's is always paired with good partners. I think he's got Ian Dark a few times, Clive Tilsley. John Champion as well. John right? Champion. But, you know, they, like I look at them, that's, to me, that's the old ITV in it, Champions League nights. Yeah. And, you know, they were that was that was the peak. I think I was brilliant back then. So I think that has a lot to do with McCoy's. But just going back to the whole the entertainment, I, I don't think we ask for much, really. You know, it's just, uh, you know, just talk, be a bit, talk about yourself, maybe a story or two, you know, even the fact that, like, he refers to, the, you know, the fact that they have these, um, these you know, their packs, like the information packs, just tell us that, innit? Yeah. Laugh at it. It's like, I, let's be honest, I know for a fact that, like, I think Danny Higginbottom does a lot on Sky, I quite like him, and, and in fairness to him, he's one of the ones who actually does try and analyse mid-game, but, you know, I just tell us you've had one. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Make a joke of it, like yeah. Price does. He says about reading on the train down that day. And just, like, when the game is stale, that does pick you up. So you're not watching, like, Burnley just lump it 50 yards, coming back, going forward. While that's going on, you're listening to 
what Ali McCoy's was up to today. It's a distraction sometimes from a bad game. It's like watching a game with your with your mate, isn't it, in the pub. That's yeah. the difference with him. Where it's like I remember watching him the day where someone's um, someone's nutmeg someone and he's he's laughing, giggling about it, and he's just like, yeah, great, great. That's what I want. Like, exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. The thing that sealed it for me was I was watching Southampton Wolves, which you know isn't a big game. You know, nobody's going to clamour to watch that all the time. So I just put it on because I wanted to watch it. And I, it was on Amazon, so I realised, oh, I'm going to come in today. And honestly, I don't think I've enjoyed a game. It was 2-1, standard game. I don't think I've enjoyed a commentary performance like that for a long, long while. Because I've listened to Alan McCoy a lot. But to listen throughout the whole game, and a game that's not built to be a big game, and like you guys, I completely agree, it just made the whole experience a lot, lot better. And especially now with kind of what we spoke about last week with the amount of games that are on TV at the moment because of COVID, obviously. Um, it just really shows the lack of personalities because that's basically all commentary really is. It's how you come across as your, your personality through your voice. And I think what um, I'll do well is after that game would have finished, it would go back to the studio where you've got someone like Roberto Martinez breaking the game down. Who? And I think I was thinking that when we when you said about we're going to be discussing like commentators and pundits today, you don't see many ex-managers like it's all. Yeah the majority of ex-players, ex-managers, like tactical managers, like there was a clip going around over the weekend of Wenger on being sport, uh, yeah. breaking down like a Van Dyke performance. And I think that is something I'd love to see more of, is like a Martinez, Wenger, ma- that type of manager being part of a pandemic team. I think that's where, though, Monday Night Football were ahead of the game a little bit, in the, in the simple fact that whoever the guest is, so let's say it's not Neville now, so when they have these guests, they will allow them to have a touch screen themselves and do it themselves. Because I look in, I, I know what they're supposed to do it, where they allow whoever's in commentary to just do their own thing. So, for example, if you, like Chris Holman was on a few weeks ago, only, or two weeks ago, yeah. and then they allow him to have, and allow him to draw, and allow him to explain what's going on. I, I remember they had Jurgen Klopp on, I, I remember yeah. Pochettino was on it, it's you know, really impressive. Just let these people who are knowledgeable talk. Yeah. And like, because I, I find sometimes they shake dumb stuff down. And it's like, you know, if you're not into football that much, just don't watch it. And, yeah. you know, I don't think anyone would complain if, you know, if like Arsenal goes on Monday football, give an absolute masterclass on tactics. Nobody's yeah. going to complain about that. No, exactly. People, maybe the amateur supporter who isn't that keen on that would tune in watch the game. But they would turn off after the game finishes anyway. They're not going to stay whoever that guest is. So, yeah, just go all in on, right, this next hour, we are going tactical. We are going Wenger. Um, and um, Chris Coleman, like you said, he was brilliant on it. I think more ex-managers needed on the regular punditry, like um, re- yeah. more recent managers then. And just, just think off the top of my head, no, because if you think about it, say there's four games on on a weekend or on a Sunday, whatever. They're doing an hour build-up for most games, or at least half an hour. I'm just thinking, of what we just spoke about, is it worth shortening that time period before and maybe after a game? And then say, you know, after the last game of that weekend, they have like an hour, an hour and a half of complete analysis. So then the armchair fan can watch, you know, 15 minutes of build-up, watch the game, and then go about their business and do whatever. And then people like us then can watch the hour afterwards or the hour and a half. And really, like, if it's not to watch the breakdown, I just think that there's a lot of room and it's, I guess, really plain to see and nobody's really thinking about it. Yeah. Company, I don't know. Do you, do you know what I have noticed as well? I, I be, I'll be honest, I've never, 
I mean, look, you know, I'm a Liverpool fan, so people care about Liverpool in it. It's, you know, like if Liverpool are playing well, people talk about it. If they're playing badly, they talk about it. Um, I can't remember who was on this weekend, but there was a game and it had nothing to do with Liverpool. It had nothing to do with Man City. And that's all they spoke about for a while. It might have been the West Ham game, actually. For about half an hour before the game, they just spoke about Liverpool and Man City. Yeah. I was thinking, there's no other sport which, it, like, they're not even playing. So why are we talking about them? Like, if I, and the thing is, I'm thinking of it as just a football fan there. Like, yeah. Don't get me wrong. Like, if, you know, I quite like watching it, but, for, you know, I'm interested because I'm a Liverpool fan. Like, if you're a West Ham fan or, or a Leeds fan or whatever, and you've signed in to watch your team play, they should be talking about your team, not, oh, let's have a look at Liverpool yesterday or let's have a look at Man City or Man United. Yeah, definitely. And when you see like tweets from Sky Sports and um, or like the map of the day run in order, you see fans of these teams who aren't maybe a United Liverpool City being calmed and kind of having a go at why are you putting our teams aside? And you can totally see why. Like West Ham have got into the top four. I've not heard that. The most the thing I've heard most is, oh, West Ham have gone above Liverpool. Yeah. No, West Ham have gone top four. That's the story. Not West Ham have gone above Liverpool. That's not here there. It's where West Ham are doing that. And the focus should always be on that specific club as opposed to relative to Man City Liverpool. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Uh, Sims, I just go back to something you said with Alan McCoy. Um I think you were saying about it's quite nice that we haven't heard him that much. You know, he, he did back in the day and now he's kind of back doing it. With NFL, obviously each network over there has dedicated comms teams, so, you know, like Jim Nance and Tony Romo. Yeah. Do you, would you then say like Ali McCoy's had a specific spot with a net, say a Sky Sports where he's doing most games or Sky or BT or Amazon, whoever, would you be in favour of that? Or would ah. it deter from, oh, now I'm hearing Ali McCoy's too much, even though we all love him, but we all know if you hear someone's voice over and over and over, eventually you're probably going to get sick of that voice. So, I don't know. What, what I would be in favour of is partnering up commentary teams. I like that idea. I think yeah. I think that's a good idea. I think, you know, you get used to working with each other, you bounce off each other, you know what all your pauses are, all like that. I think it just works, isn't it? Um, this idea that, for example, um, Jamie Carragher tends to do more Liverpool games or Jamie Carragher tends to be as the third guy in Liverpool game. So if Liverpool are Everton playing, obviously, because he's a scouser, Merseyside, he's there. Same for Manchester. And then I just find it, I just be like, oh, do you know what? doesn't matter. Just say, Gary yeah. Neville is always 4pm, the, you know, the main Super Sunday game is always Gary Neville, Martin Tyler. Yeah. Let's just call that for what it is. That every time. Yeah. Darren Fletcher, and you probably say, it's probably Steve McManaman, I would have thought, is their main guy on BT. So there's that. that. Yeah. yeah, so that's your, t- that's your, you know, your big two with BT. They are always the early kickoff on a Saturday afternoon because that's BT's big game. Like I don't see anything wrong with that at all. No. That's what I, you know, that's why I am there. Yeah, and I think yeah, partner up. I think that's something that um, should be a regular thing. Like Sim says, it it just makes them better every week. Yeah, I, I agree with partner up, and I think it, it it kind of provide more consistency. But if they weren't to go forward with that, uh, I'm a coist like. Like we, this might might just be the Ali McCoy's podcast. We've bringed him up so much. I wish. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, we've um, but he's such a personality. He kind of he does have that kind of just natural chemistry 
with a lot of with a lot of people. Like I think the thing I love about him most is that he makes I think out of everyone he makes the game more relatable than any other pundit out there. It's yeah. like 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 Sim says or the, the other pundits that get in the studio when they kind of dumb it down. A lot of people do need that. You know we are, we have not played football at the top level. No, you know nobody's even played football at like a level where you get paid. You know there's so we kind of do need that analysis where we're not football experts break it down for us and Alan McGuiss does it you know he's just really relatable it is like Sim said it's like you know watching in a in a, in a pub with a mate and it is like that comf- comfortable feeling I got one last thing to say on Alan McCoy and I think we should stop probably talking about Alan McCoy specifically but Never. like <laughs> obviously Liverpool bad loss against Leicester and Alan McCoy was doing for Gillette Sox Southley and since then obviously Rob Sims and myself were very pissed off at the nature of the game but we watched back the highlights of Vanley McCoy's on Gillette Sox Saturday and we actually enjoyed it. Like, I think that's the impact he, he can have. In, enjoy is a stretch, but we could appreciate the video and actually have a laugh at Danny McCoy in a good way, put a smile on our face, just because the way he talks about football is infectious. And I don't think that does always come across with other commentators and uh, Martin Tyler's one way. It, does, it doesn't feel like he's in it anymore. Yeah. With Danny McCoy, you can tell... He loves it. Do you know, another the, my main thing, I, my main problem is the broadcasting, not so much the the it's, the it's the analyst, you know, after the game and before the game. Like I think of Carlton Callers in the studio the other day, right? And um, there was like a defensive mistake, and in the studio afterwards, and asking Carlton Cole about defensive mistakes, and I'm like, yeah, no, no, let's play to the strengths. We know he's a striker. We know he's a goal scorer. So ask him about movement. Ask him why is the striker going? There's like three goals in the game. So, yeah. Like, just, just ask him that. Don't bother asking him to, about defending because quite clearly he doesn't know. And yeah. that's yeah. nothing against Carlton Cole because I wouldn't expect him to. In the same way, Jamie Carragher, I'd rather Jamie, you know, Jamie Carragher can do it because obviously he's further on in his in his career, isn't he, as, as an analyst. But, you know, let's let's not get too bogged down with asking Jamie Carragher and Gary Neville to explain the, the other movements at the top. Yeah. Get, let them just absolutely... Just teach us all about the art of defending. Teach us all about what is a centre back thinking. You, Alan Shearer does it for me. The only one I don't personally like Alan Shearer, and I think Match of the Day has become probably the worst version of itself has ever been. Because I remember like Alan Hansen being there, where they would take time to you know to look at things. These days, Match of the Day, I watch some of the highlights of Liverpool games sometimes, and I think they haven't even shown the best part. No, they just show the goals and go. Yeah. Oh look, it's a goal. As and opposed to breaking it down. And then you'll have like, like a Danny Murphy, but at least Alan Shearer occasionally will literally just talk about what the striker has done you. Yeah. And so let's do that, isn't it? Like just show, it's, you know, it's almost like you want to say, right, every week now we want to try and get defender, so that's always going to be Carragher on Neville. We'll try and get some type of a forward. You know, if you've got Sooness in midfield, you've got, the other day, it's Sooness, Keen, Keen Redknapp. Yeah, I, they were yeah. the three in my head, yeah. All three centre mids, all three. Okay, I wouldn't say they were all naturally gifted for, in terms of going forward. So they were more like dictating the game and give it to the next guy. And I'm just like, what? Well, what is Sunez going on here? especially are basically carbon copies of the type of yeah. football as they were. And so, you don't need them. And personality-wise, pretty much very similar. Yeah. So it, it, I really don't think you'd need both of them. I always question, do they, do they wonder how these personalities are going to work off each other? Or are they just thinking... 
they'll do let's get him on this week yeah it's like it's the Leeds Man U fans check it's the Leeds you know so saying um, Fulham are on let's get Bobby Zamora West Ham are on let's get Carlton Cole Um, Jordan Escott if basically one of Villa (laughs) Man City are playing Everton yeah it's just like you know come on like it's just be better and they don't just because they've played for that club for two seasons they don't offer any more than a yeah. better pundit would. It's it is no need. All you need are people who can offer maybe different opinions, like maybe an ex-manager, and you have an attack-minded player, defensive-minded player. Done. Yeah. You, you just so you've got different points of view to look at. I mean, that's ultimately why Sky and BT ended up getting, and Amazon have got like refs to go to and speak to is just to get that added point of view. So if you're going that far and actually paying a ref to sit in the studio. And if it's Peter Walton, I'm seriously questioning your children. <laughs> but if, you, if you're if going to that much effort to have a different perspective, then do it properly and have actual different types of players or managers on the panel to actually speak to and give their insight. Because yeah. I'd say the ref's opinion is probably the least important out of the lot. Well, hopefully, if uh, refs get mic'd up next season, you won't need Peter Walton or... Anyone else? Because you'll hear the explanation. I don't need to oh, go. You know, oh, kicked him in the leg there, so that's a penalty. Thanks, Peter. It's, Thanks. It's turned like, into such a joke now that I actually yeah. like having Peter Walton in because <laughs> I enjoy him predicting things wrong. Like <laughs> when they go, oh, Peter, do you think that'll be given as a penalty? And he'd be like, oh, no, no chance. And then the next yeah. thing, as he's saying it, the ref turns and points to the spot. And <laughs> I just got laughing. Now, I used to get annoyed, uh, but I just laugh at how bad he is. What was this quote the other day about... Um, Oh, what was it? VAR isn't there to get decisions correct. It's there to overturn <laughs> clear and obvious mistakes. Yeah. You're like, what? Like, surely somebody in BT is listening and going, I think we're paying this guy to do things that <laughs> he can't do. So but, we need yeah. to change. Do you know what I would say? With uh, one, it's not just a football problem. So, for example, you know, like the rugby this weekend, you've got some, you've got some pundits in the rugby who are in the studio. And haven't actually they've spoken a lot they haven't actually told you anything new um yeah. and then you get the odd one then who are very good and very like for example like you know we, i watch the welsh version the esperec all the time they are outstanding at breaking things down they've got nigel owens there now as well nigel owens is best mates with wayne barnes the, the referee and he's rinsing him just say it that's the wrong yeah. call just come out and say it perfect they were excellent you go to bbc then and you've just got you've got the classic like the old leds who were saying the game has gone soft, and then you got you got the odd one, and then like Sam Obden who just goes straight through the rubbish and just says exactly what's going on, breaks it down for you. Now again, I get it, rugby's a bit slower, but these people know what's going on in the camps, so they yeah. the, they've only just left the game or they've still got friends in the game. Same with the NFL. The NFL spend you know the, the first part of the week, the commentary team spend time interviewing the players. They know all the coaches. They get texts off them. So then they give you all this insight that you wouldn't know it otherwise. I don't learn anything new watching football. I will watch Liverpool now at 8 o'clock. I will not learn anything new about it. I will yeah. just hear the same old stuff I've heard all week about how Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool are in bad form, that Jurgen Klopp has been defied this week, and that they've said that they're going to carry on. I've nothing new. Not how they've changed. Yeah. Not, what, not like how do the camp feel. Or, and it's just like, and the thing is as well, for me, you know, they start to antagonise players anyway. So yeah. not only are you not analysing it properly now, you're actually looking now for things to beat people with. That I think that's a bigger... Because I've been reading a couple of articles to prepare for this, and I think the biggest thing is that 
let's be honest, the TV money is the biggest money in football. That's what makes everything the world turn around. That is football, yeah. That is football. So you take Roy Keane, right? We've all got our different opinions on Roy Keane. But He's wondering how long it'll be. No, but ultimately, rightly or wrongly, whatever you feel about him, he is brilliant to get those clicks. And ultimately, yeah. he might he might have sold his soul. I don't know. Because he knows he's not going to get into management ever again. So he's probably going to Sky. Right, I'll say whatever, and it's going to get you. Because the one about Liverpool saying about their mentality, I think I read that had like 3 million views within 24 hours or something like that. Like something crazy. And you're telling me Sky aren't looking at that sort of data going, oh, bloody hell, 3 million views in 24 hours. Let's keep this going. Let's get the most outrageous things we can get going. And for me, that's the way football is kind of going a little bit. Because the analytics side, for me, has kind of plateaued. It's gone a bit. Well, I kind of know. Oh, I know he's overlapping. I know why he's overlapping. I know why this guy's going in that position. You know, we've been told this so many times. I kind of know that. And for me, what I want to hear now is the next step is to what's it actually like for those players? How, how are they feeling? What what emotions are they going through? What's it like to be in our dressing room? What's it like to be under the lights with 50,000 people? Because I don't feel like that's ever really spoken about. You know, Roy Keane goes on about mentality. Okay, okay, tell me the right mentality and explain to me how, how a winner thinks and how they react on a pitch and just things like that. And yeah, I think it's it's just going a bit over the top at the moment. And you know, I don't really blame the broadcasters because at the end of the day, they're trying to make money. That's their job. So I think that's I think that's exactly right. And that's for me. That is literally it because I you I take Roy Keane because like I took I think I think he was absolutely so far. I, I, for me, he's become exactly what he hates, yeah. or exactly what he says he hates. He's just a walking meme for me, you know? I don't even listen to him anymore. Because even, you know, let's be honest, you know, Roy Keane didn't play in many losing teams. Do you know I mean? They didn't lose much. Same as Neville. They I won don't know about league. that. They won mostly tight. He got relegated with Forrest. Okay. He went to Celtic. He played for Ireland. I mean, yeah, no. Okay, team. brilliant. Right, brilliant. That's even better than my point, then. Because my point would be, as Bert said, in those times of hardship, Tell us what you did as a scheme. What was the, as Brett said, Brett perfectly said, what was, what did you do in the week before the games where you were in that rut, you, your confidence was low, you sat overthinking things. What, what was it, what did the manager do? What did Fergie do? Tell us what did Fergie do now? Because that's what we all want to know. Yeah. Do you get me? Like, because this idea of, oh, we just train harder. No, you didn't. Because you're a professional athlete, you train hard every day. Sheffield United are not turning up and half ass in training. They're not. They might be training harder now than they've ever trained. It's just not working. So what do teams do? What does Mourinho do to get that that um, siege mentality? What did Ferg used to do? What did Wenger do? Tell us. Don't just tell us, oh, well, we, you know, we just went out and played. No, you didn't. It's lazy. It's lazy. And for me, it's almost an arrogance that... I'll say this, and people will just because I because I am aware. Really. Yeah, it is insulting, really. When you when you break it down, it's going. Well, it's insulting, but I mean, no, but I, I mean, insulting to to the fan, to the to the person watching. Yeah, going, exactly. If, if I don't think asked, this person can understand. Well, no, I, I don't, don't think I can understand. Fair, until I you think tell me your first point you made on Raheem Butts was that you think he may have sold his soul. That I think is wiped from the mark because th- what he's doing now is what he did at Man U to lose his. Um, Get, get sacked from Man U is he did that interview with MUTV where he slagged off his own teammates yeah. like so he's always been that character um, I remember watching an interview um, when he was at 4S and he was asked about comments Diego Maradona made about him 
and he shrugged him off like, oh, I don't care. Like, he's always been that character. So I don't think what you're seeing now is a different version of him because he's been like it for the last 30 years. So I, that's the first point. And then with what he said, he was asked the question about um, what he said about Liverpool specifically is what, what yeah. we're talking about. Isn't it? Where he said that he thinks they may have just read the headlines and taken it. Uh, what was the words you used, Sims? Um, he says something like they believe their own hype or something, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And you've said that to me before, Sims. I've said it whereby from individual performances where they lose the game because they've been arrogant. Yeah, but it's what I think it's one thing to yeah, it's one thing to say, oh, in that game there, they just looked as if they turned. I, but I've, ne- I've never thought, I've never looked at Liverpool and gone, oh, yeah, that's a team that's just, they just completely believe their own hype. I think that's, and the thing is, I think it's really unfair. And it's not even the Liverpool thing. Like, I've seen him do it to other teams. It's just, this is the recent one. Yeah, yeah no, I but, I mean, if we're allowed to say for one game or two or three games you're in there, I think he is well within his right with the career he's had. If that is his honest opinion, to say it, like... If, yeah, but he should know better. It's easy yes. for us to say that because we've never been. He's a multiple winner. He should yeah. know, but that's not the reason. How, so, how how do you know it's not the reason? You you've not. I been, don't. Yeah, that's the point. Exactly. I so, don't know. So we've I got to trust these people who have done who played for the Premier League title on four occasions. He's worked with two of the three in uh, Brian Clough. I think you've got to sit there sometimes and go. Right, I don't agree with him, like myself, but you've got to sit there and go, right, he has played at the top level, I think he was a man for 12 years, won seven Premier League titles, a Champions League, Some you have got to bow down to someone like that, he's managed, like, it's not like a wrong thing. He's failed, that's yeah. my that's point, he's failed, yeah, exactly, and that's what I come to it, most what, of these people, there's failed? a reason, there's a, you can't, you're going to say, no, oh, well, you got, you did right to Sunderland. Yeah. There's a reason, okay, that Roy Keane doesn't last anywhere. It's because of this exact thing. Yeah. There's a reason he rubs people up the wrong way. Because it's, it's one thing to be this, oh, I'm going to stand out and I'm going to be, you know, I'm just ultra-honest and people... But it's like, yeah, but there's been ultra-honest and then there's just, do you know what? You're actually yeah. just, you're just blunt and you're wrong. Like, because you're, you're, you're not even able to see... Because, you know, you look at Fergie... People say, well, Fergie, oh, you know, he, he was, you know, you know he's the hard taskmaster, he was his dress, you know, he ran it. He made exceptions because he knew. Cantona, Ronaldo, Rooney, was, you know, Rooney, let's not forget, Rooney went to leave numerous times. Yeah. But he knew, and he knew how to work players, and he knew when the right time to go. You, This idea that Roy Keane spouts out all the time, it's the same idea that Tim Sherwood does, it's this, oh, they haven't tried hard enough. That's nonsense. Absolute nonsense. Okay? There are the odd occasion where you see a player and you think, oh yeah, they've done tools there. But this idea that a team consistently for six, seven, eight games just downs tools and is like, nah, you know what? I'm not even bothering. Especially when you're like, you know, there is the very rare occasion where you can see it and you think they want the manager gone. But I have not, I, I haven't seen that. Like, I haven't really seen it from this Liverpool issue. I've never looked and gone, oh, they're not playing for the manager, or they're not, they're not that arsed. It's not lack of effort. Yeah. Do you get me? Sometimes you're just not very good. And that's my point. Like, I agree with Butts. Sometimes, just say it for what it is. Look, they're not playing very well. That doesn't mean that they... You don't have to question the, you know, the ability of a player. You don't have to question the, 
Because for me, questioning the bottle and questioning the thing of a player is one of the worst things you can do. Now, once or twice, in a, you know, you see games, you're like, oh, look, they haven't, they just haven't turned up. They just haven't turned up. They, you know, they maybe they thought they could turn up and play and it hasn't worked. That's fine. But when you call out, you know, because the way he's saying stuff, it's like, right, they've turned this season. They were top of Christmas. Yeah, but, I mean, so were Spurs. I mean, like... Let's not talk about Spurs. Yeah, but, no, but, as in, a, a Christmas day, right, Liverpool, like, there was none of this. So if you genuinely thought that, if you honestly thought they brought into it, where was that when they were winning it? It's just a simple thing, right? It's just an easy way out. It really is. Yeah, and my point with Roy Keane is, it's just unbelievable. He does it all the time. Yeah, but, like... What you're saying, it's not like he's calling out the team who's winning every week and going, like, oh, they're not trying, because that would be obviously wrong. What he's saying, like, as much as I don't agree with it, there is an argument to be made that makes sense in terms of when they play teams like Spurs, 70 minutes Leicester, um, Man U first game and the FA, and the Cup game to an extent, they turned up. Then you go to teams like Brighton, Burnley, um, and you don't turn up at all. And I think. When there's and I've been I've said about Wolves where teams play against top team and turn up and don't against bottom teams I've said that it's a, a mental problem an attitude problem so I've got to be consistent and when Liverpool are doing the exact same thing I can't then go well I said about Wolves that that's true and now Liverpool are doing the same thing that's not the case I've got to be consistent with when I said that about Wolves there's an argument to be made that it could be the case about Liverpool as well. I, I'm really aware that it's become like this keen versus Liverpool because I I, gen, I I think that's just the recent opinion, isn't it? But I, I you know I'm pretty thing. I I've always thought this about him. But my point would be, you've now made the point better than Roy Keane has ever made it, and that's my issue. He's getting paid to explain these things. You've explained more in 35 seconds than Roy Keane ever has about his own opinion. I've said it. They Skype ignored me. But, <laughs> no, but do, do you get me? So this is why then you should never be anywhere near the place, because it's you know it, it is it's like it's sometimes it's just like watching some bloke drunk uncle in the corner. It's like Mitch, just say a bit like don't don't just sit back and think. Oh, I'm Roy Keane. I'll say this now, and nobody like I in a way I enjoyed it when Cara. I think he got Monday night a few months ago, and Cara went back to him and said like, no why. And he's like, well, because that's what it is. And it's like, well, no, <laughs> explain why. Use your words, Mr. Keane. Yeah. I get it. Back to another point you made, Sims, where you said about like having, when um, asking Carlton Cole for defensive stuff, you have different pundits with different specialities. And Keane's is his mentality, is the elite mentality to play at that level and take no shit. And it, it was always that hard man but with the quality, we weren't like having Vinnie Jones there. So I think, again, he is within his rights. And in a way, that's what you ask him for, is speak about your, what your... Yeah, but that's fine. Are. But he doesn't actually... That's fine. Yeah. I completely agree with that. But he doesn't actually explain I, what and his strength was. He yeah, doesn't articulate where, it at all. That's where we disagree. I think it's so easy to kind of pin that thing of he's just a walking meme on Roy Keane because he has got the few memes because he is outspoken. But I do think it is harsh because I do think he does offer more. Do you remember Premier League tonight with Jay Humphrey? And, um, so it was about two years ago. I don't think they do it anymore. Um, so oh, I, the show went on yeah, after the, show the after the late kickoff. Do you remember that? Yeah. So I remember watching that. I remember Stephen Gerrard being on it. So this is before in management. And yeah. they didn't know we're on Gerrard. And, I, and I'm, I, you know, I don't like Jay Humphrey. I never have. 
Um, but weirdly enough, I actually listened to his podcast because he's actually quite quite good. But I remember him asking Gerard about the mental side of football. And Gerard went on for about five or ten minutes just saying about how obsessed he was and how he had to be the best and how he used to do this in training and that and, and how he used to test players out. And I'm thinking, right, if he can do that, like, honestly, it, it's not like your job is to explain and like, just to say things. That's why you're an analyst. It's not good enough to just turn around and say, oh, I, I just think they're a big, lot of big time. You don't even ask now. Like, don't get me wrong. Everyone knows Arsenal have been, you know. Soft Exactly. But tell you what, explain maybe what would you do or explain how would you go at it to have to get under their skin then. Like, he's in the perfect position. Him and Vieira did it for years against each other. Tell us, what would Fergie do in the week like? This just, it's just this idea that, oh, I'll just say it now and, and then it's, and it's done. It's done. Like, everyone knows I'm on about They don't. We don't. The last thing on Keane for me, and I always go back to it, you know, he's tried to be a manager, it hasn't worked. And there's no surprise because of the way he is. They, and apparently Again, he still I got aspirations. Think yeah, I think he it's actually aspirations. Didn't okay, fair enough. He still got aspirations to be a manager, potentially. And at the moment, the way he's coming across, I don't think any chairman's looking at him going, oh, is that guy going to get me get me into the Premier League? Is that guy going to you know, get me I think he'd get a very good job. I think he'd whatever. get a good championship job. Do you actually? I really do, yeah. I wouldn't. Yeah, I don't he, get may, he may. And he may have one good year, like he did with Sunderland, because everybody in the dressing room is going to go, oh my God, it's Roy Keane. He's won all this. He's this amazing player. And After 12 months, they're going to go, actually, this guy is just nonsense. He's just chatting shit, basically. But and, do you ever look at him and just think he's a bit, well, almost, he's all got beneath at times, yeah. which sounds ridiculous because he's, he's a serial winner. But... I look at Yeah, exactly. I look at it and I think I think I could see him in a change and walking in first session and you'd be a bit awestruck and then he'd start talking to you and you'd be like, I don't think this guy actually he's not very impressed. Because I think this is you know, that idea as well that you know, if you're an ex player, then you're in, you know instantly gonna be a really good manager. Um well clearly not, because it's a different thing. To manage people, it literally in the name, manage. Yeah. To manage a set of people requires the ability to be able to manage emotions, to be able to manage the actual game itself. And oh yeah, I don't think he'll ever be a, a Klopp Guardiola level manager, but I do think the personality he's got in the right environment, he could be a very like he could be very good. Like uh, Sean Dyche isn't the most like continental manager. He is a similar character into the hard man. Sean Dyche is mellowed a bit from his playing days. I think Keane would probably have to do that to manage a consistent and for right. a long period of time but you definitely see more in John Dyche though you see yeah. like for example this week even just this week now no, with that no interview no you do but I think as a player I don't think you would ever imagine Sean Dyche being like that because he was always fucking like yeah no no holds bad I look so at he's Keane. mellowed a bit and I think Keane would have to I look at Keane sorry I just say just I look at Keane and I just see the guy who is going to go in he'll have a good six months because everyone's on board and buying into it and then all of a sudden the wheels just completely fall off because there's only so many times you can take a take a message in a certain way or and like I don't think what you're saying I don't think he's capable of it because if he was he would have done it by now. You know, yeah, but the argument about Sunderland I think it's hard to say he's a failure. I mean, he's done a lot better than a lot. Of, he's done more than Frank Lampard has as manager. And Frank Lampard's had a top job. Like, Roy Keane came in the Sunderland, got them uh, from lower half of the championship table, got them, won the league, 
manager of the year, got them promoted, kept them up, and then got sacked quite early the next season. They weren't down and out by a long shot. It was a bit premature. And then I think he, he even says in his book, he rushed into the next job. The first job that came up, Ipswich, he rushed into it, and it just weren't set up. And I think that's happened to yeah, most But that was 10, 12 well. years ago. And it's, since then, Martin yeah. only one of the most like consistent managers out there in terms of at that level, has taken him with him for three different jobs. Villa, no, but Paul Lambert took him Villa. But he's had Ireland number two, North Forest number two. The fact, someone like Martin O'Neill has taken him, Wherever he's going, I think says a lot as well. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We can argue where it was. But the biggest thing for me, I look at it and go, the stuff Roy Keane says on Sky, if he was managing now, what would he think of somebody saying that sort of thing? He'd be going, and guarantee he'd be going, absolute bullshit. This guy is talking absolute nonsense. Guarantee it. Guarantee it. So he, if he's thinking like a manager and he thinks he's a good manager, which I assume he does, and surely he's got to realise when he's on Sky going, oh, actually, does this? if I was a manager, no, does this actually, is this true? Would this be applicable? But no, that's, I don't that, think it would. that's my reaction as well. And I'm sure that's Jürgen Klopp's reaction when he saw what he said about Liverpool. Yeah. Sitting there and going, yeah, that's bullshit, that's bullshit. But my point is, if Roy Keane does believe that, and I don't see why he'd say it otherwise, then he is within his rights to say that. And I have absolutely no problem with him having that opinion, I don't agree with it, but I have no problem with him having that opinion. I, I think, but I think, I think that's maybe where it gets me because I'm, I'm speaking for Butcher, but I'm gonna guess that Butcher's the same as me. Where I have no issue with him having the opinion, no issue at all. I do have an issue then in that you should be, you should be able to explain that issue. You know, if you, if you're gonna, because thing is, you're not just saying, you know, oh, you know, they, oh, they've had a bad few weeks. Because everyone's like, yeah, of course they are. Like, yeah, you're right. You're bang on. They're not playing well. Or, you know, like, for example, John Henderson's not playing very well. Although, actually, he's probably the only one who is. But you know what I mean? It, it's this idea that, right, explain your reason. Give us some depth. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Give us, like, this idea that you can just say something. I, 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 look, without being too extreme, it's, you know, look at American politics. Just the ability to say a nonsense statement with no depth at all and then just leave it there. That's what I was saying. Just because you're the loudest in the room doesn't mean your opinions. Exactly. So No, yeah, but it's not like a wildly outlandish claim it is he's because, making. No, because I hear it all the time going, oh, well, you can't have a go at Roy Keane because he's the only one who says something. Everybody, every other pundit is on the fence or doesn't say anything. All right, fine. He's got an opinion. No problem at all. But just because he has an opinion, nobody else does. Doesn't mean that he's <laughs> magically right. And everything I, he says. No, exactly. I'm not saying, I, I, I'm not saying that you that. think that, but that's the general consensus where Roy around Roy Keane and I just think sometimes you just call, call bullshit and be like this guy is not saying anything he may no. be the loudest he may and be talking about he's not really saying anything and there's and nothing wrong with that but that's that's my, I'd actually agree with that argument about the, at least he's got an opinion and I don't think there is anything wrong with us for being here having a conversation going oh, I actually agree with Keane I don't it's more than I can say for a lot of pundits out there a lot of pundits I'd finish watching them going I don't know what I'm agreeing with at least right, with Keane, yeah. you actually know where he is. <laughs> at least yeah. you know where he stands. And I think yeah, that I immediately puts him in the top, maybe <sighs> top five of pundits immediately because he's you can you know what he's thinking. I think that shows just how bad the rest of the punditry game is. 
Yeah. But no, I agree. I'd rather listen to Roy Keane than a Jamie Redknapp or, or somebody like that. There was I, one I point I wanted made, uh, made earlier, Sims. You were talking about um, um, the commentators actually knowing uh, Nigel Owens. You made the point about the rugby ref knowing the referee, but still slating him. And I read an article about Jermaine Genius talking about Gareth Bale. And he started the article slating him, going, oh, I've been watching him for a few weeks and it, um, it's sad to see my old teammate like that. Yeah. And uh, But then he finished it by going, but actually, coming on against Man City, I found it good. There was, I saw <laughs> signs of hope where he picked up the ball, dribbled past a few players. And like he's waited until now, until he's got something positive to say about Bale, to yeah. actually slate him. When, actually, mate, if you were thinking it was sad to see your old teammate like that, and he actually he said in the article, I watched Bale and it looked like he was happy to pick up the wage packet, which is quite damning for an ex-teammate to say. Oh, say yeah. it at the time. Because yeah, yeah, then yeah. people can go, fair play, Jimmy Genius, for calling out your ex-teammate. But now he's saying it and going, oh, I had that opinion, I was wrong. <laughs> it's like, man. It's easy then, yeah. Yeah, it's so Stick easy. to the one show, Jermaine. Stick to the one show. <laughs> do, you know, do you know like Jermaine Genius? I think that's an interesting one because, you know, we focus a lot on Raikina. Like I mean, but like Jermaine Genius and me, he's in the perfect position to be that link guy. He's like, you know, I'm fair, we've said him before for using their first names because he knows them all. Yeah. If you know them all, Find stuff out for us. Do you get me? Yeah. Like, I'm not asking him to come out with the whole tactical blueprint of how Mourinho set up, but just, you know, a texture in there. But it's this thing in football, it's a general footballing, it is not a, there's a, you know, it's a secrecy all around football. Every team is obsessed and worrying about what other teams know about them. Like, other sports don't actually care that much. Like, yeah. It's like, you know, okay, you, you mind, because obviously, like, you know, everyone knows the plan and they, they obviously, you change it up, but you know what's going on in training camp. You know, for example, the Wales team today, everyone knew that there's a big fight in training. What's the point? Like, who cares? Tell us. Yeah. Like, they're all adults. We know the fact that they're professional, and the next day they come in and they go again. Like, if Liverpool, yeah, well, yeah, but, you know, if Liverpool, for example, are kicking off in training, and they just, you know, like, or for example, if there's a team, like Spurs now, if Harry Kane is really unhappy because he's like, you know, I don't like what's going on, Deli Ali, Deli Ali, like, how has there nothing come out about Deli Ali? Yeah. Roy Keane would like that if it was a scrap. He'd be going great mentality. I, th- I think you'd like that? it as well, but actually. No, 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 I would. That's <laughs> where I agree with Roy Keane. No, I would say it then, but obviously I can agree with him. Um, but, you know, find this information out there. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I don't expect the whole, you know, detail by detail or whatever. Just say, like, look, you know, I know they had a bit of bit of a to-do in training, you know, they've had you know, a big meeting this week. And, yeah, yeah, they don't. And the only thing they do, players like Jimmy Gina, um, pundits like Genus and Crouch, the only thing the TV companies get them to do is interview the old teammates. Like, it's always Crouch interviewing Bale when Bale came back. And it's just a nice interview. No, that's not what you're here for. You're here sure. for the extra bit of knowledge. Like, anyone going to interview Bale just because you play together, yeah. it doesn't add anything. I think they think if there's a bit more uh, relaxed, they might get a bit more out of them. But ultimately, Peter Crouch is not a very good interviewer, so I, he's not going to get anything out of Bale that a normal interviewer wouldn't. Right, I'm conscious of time. <clears throat> so, Rob, you've been waiting patiently because I know this is a strong subject for some of us. Um, tell us what the draft is and hit us with a trivia question. Right, now that the uh, Ali McCoyst and Roy Keane podcast featuring Jermaine Genus has concluded. I was pick Sam, <laughs> not Adam mentioned so far. Also, by next week, guys, I want you to watch um, the clip of Ravel Morris and talking with Rio Ferdinand about Big Sam. Can't All right, just do that for me. Yeah, we shall do.
that's okay. We move on to the draft. Um, so mentioned it to the boys early in the week to prepare, and this is a draft of overrated goals in our opinion. So I gave them the example of one of the, one of the most overrated goals that uh, is out there is I think it's from 2011 or 2012. It was Rooney's overhead kick against Man City. Overrated for the fact that he's gone up for the bicycle kick and it's hit his shin and gone in. No striker wants to kick the ball in the net with their shin. Right then. So to decide the order, we're not going to go. To, we're going to go to a player who um, I don't really associate him with overrated goals, but I do associate him with goals. So there's the link. <laughs> we go to a draft player of yours, Burke, Jamie Vardy, top oh, player. Yeah, underrated. Underrated, and in the 2015-2016 season, he broke the record for most consecutive goals scored. 11 games, 11 goals. What a player. Right then, so we're going to go in order, and we'll go, in, we'll go in alphabetical order, so it'll be Burke, Butts and Sims. And basically, I want you guys to name the 11 teams that he scored those goals against. So this is from August 29th, to November 28th, 11 straight games. Who did you score those against? Uh, I don't want you to go in order, just pick a team. Uh, Burke, you first. Uh, Crystal Palace. Correct, but. Uh, United. Correct, that was the last one. To break the record. To West Brom. Break. Correct, back to you, Burke. Um, Newcastle. Correct, but just crap Premier League teams now. I, I'm second guessing because I thought it would have been said by now. But is this the one where you chipped Minule? Is it Liverpool one of them? That is incorrect. Yeah. That was later on in the season. So, but yeah. you were goal, you were out, yeah. so you should be going third. I'll uh, Sims go the other Merseyside team. I've done. And Sims, you were also wrong. So that's decided our order. So we both had two choices. Burke got both is correct. Uh, in, in order, it was Bournemouth, Villa, Stoke, Arsenal, Norwich, Southampton, Palace, West Brom, Watford, Newcastle. Then to break Van Nistelrooy's record, he did it against Man U. So the draft order is Burke, Sims, Butts, then myself, then back to me in reverse to same as Burton Burke. So Burke, kick us off with your most overrated goal. Thank you. Before I do, can I just ask a quick question on your intro to this thing being Rooney's goal? Yeah. Are we all? Do we all think that is overrated? Well, I, yeah. I don't. It's, I don't. I yeah. it's, it's a controversial. I, uh, I think, it, I think it, it does hit his shin, and I would say it's it's still an incredible goal, and he has tried yes. to do it. Yeah. yeah yes, but to get like, up in the first place was hard enough. So. Yeah, for, for for me, like the, the the biggest thing about it was everyone calling it for to, for it to be goal of the year. And yeah. I didn't I didn't win goal of the year. The goal of the year that year was Neymar's incredible goal for Santos. And funny enough, Ronaldinho was playing in that game as well, and Santos still lost. But uh, yeah, for me, it's like the cross is deflected. I know he's got it, but look, it's hit his chin, and it's lucky to go in the net. I think context is really important as well. I mean, it's the last minute of the derby. I, I, I guess everything, I think every kid's dream. I don't think any kid is ever going to worry. I don't think any player would ever worry about 
the shin. You just think, oh my god, I've scored a bo- I've scored an absolute worldie in the ninth. If, if, if you're if you're a striker and you're making contact, you want the contact with your foot. Simple yeah, as. I, I think if you're striking, no. you don't care. No. Anyway, <laughs> good start. He's gone up against one of the best pundits around. Mika Richards is the newest defender. Um, <laughs> so uh, the first goal I'm going to go is. So this was actually the first goal in my head after the Rooney one, um, and I went and watched a YouTube video last night of the 35 greatest goals ever, and this was like number four, um, which immediately proves it's overrated. And it's Roberto Carlos's free kick. Brazil versus France. Great choice. And Roberto Carlos even himself has said he mishit it and he thought he was going wide and then just this gust of wind came in and even Carlos calls it like miracle wind or something like that. <laughs> you suffered from that a few times, Rob. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm going to go with that one just because he has he has himself admitted it's not an opinion. The guy taking a shot even said he mishit it and it was going a lot wider than he thought and wind took in so it looks incredible, but it wasn't incredible. Number one, Roberto Carlos against France. Fantastic. But Sims. I got it wrong as well, but sorry. You crack on. Fine, I'll go next. Um, I'm quite fearful of picking this, but I'm hoping that people get my logic. Now, it is a Liverpool player, so I embrace it myself. And it is Mo Salah's goal against Everton. Now, I'm not sitting here suggesting that it wasn't a good goal. You know, he shrugs someone off, nice turn, dribble in the box, bent in the top corner, left foot, lovely goal. But my biggest gripe with it is that he won the Puskas Award and beat the likes of Ronaldo's overhead kick against Juve, Bale's overhead kick in the Champions League final, Overrated. and a goal <laughs> I think is very nice, Benjamin Pavard's strike against Argentina, if you remember, he cut across the ball yeah. and yeah. it flew in. Um, so yeah, for me, I just I couldn't believe it when I looked at it. I got really that won the award when all those other goals happened in the same year. So I don't know if it's politics. Maybe it is. Who knows? But that's my first choice. I think it's a very overrated goal. That's my first one. Just have a flashback to Pavard's goal. We were all in halfway drinking. I remember that one. Good flashback. <laughs> Pre-COVID, good times. Yeah. <laughs> On that. Uh... Salah goal. I actually, I agree because I actually thought his goal against Spurs, which was very similar, was actually better than the other. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I agree with you there. Um, I, what? yeah, I'll say it. I watched. Um, I watched just before we started. Do you remember Gareth Bale's breakout performance at San Siro? Yes, in yes. 2010. So he's got a hat trick, didn't he? Yeah. Um, now the th- the second goal is like a, they're all basically similar where they driven across goal from the left to the right. Um, but the second goal is like a nice volley. It does a nice goal. I like that one. The first one he picks the ball up just inside his own half, right on the wing. And the reason I think it's overrated, he just kicks the ball, literally just kicks it forward and then just runs after it. Doesn't beat <laughs> anyone. He just literally just kicks it forward and then hits it across goal. I, and, and I thought about it then, I was thinking, most of Gareth Bale's goals I were actually the same. Just him kicking the ball really far ahead, running after it, and hitting the net. Hey, so, if it works for you, it works for you. Well, yeah, exactly. But, you know, I think, well, great, okay. Well done, Gareth. But the commentary that night, I listened to it, was pretty emphatic, which I get because obviously it was a breakout game. They but, still lost, didn't they? 
Yeah, 4-3. They were 4 down. That's not yeah, a thing. Yeah, it's more of a story, I think, because he's yeah. got a second half story, trick, 4-0 down. They lost. Yeah, but it, I know, well, but that's that, the, that, the I, British media, if you weren't there. I they... would say that adds to Sims' point that it's overrated, because they still lost the game. If yeah, that, no, I agree. If that happened, then it made a 5-4. Great. Yeah. Great it. But no, you still lost. Watch yeah. yourself. <laughs> so, yeah, I think... I, mean, I accept that one. Like, I even saw, I was like, oh, Mike going got destroyed. Yeah, I think he did get... I remember watching it, I think, yeah, he did get destroyed that game. But... To say you got destroyed in the goal is a bit harsh because the sort of Bale did was just kick it forward and run. Yeah. So I will say Gareth Bale and I will say Gareth Bale at the San Siro. Strong choice. Right then, so so it comes to me. Uh, my example uh, for the draft was that Wayne Rooney overhead kick. I'm coming back to Wayne Rooney, and uh, we're going to uh, Upton Park, and it is his goal against West Ham where he shot from the halfway line. And Adrian, I think, was in net, has had an absolute mare and misjudged it. Uh, another thing, if VAR was around back then, he would not have counted because he's badged someone right off the ball. This is and for Man U, not his halfway. For, for Man U, not, not, for, not the Everton one. Uh, it, this is for Man U, yeah. Where he's, kind of, he's badged someone off the ball and he's just had it, you know, he's had a shot. Fair play to him to have a shot, but the keeper is backtracking, loses sight of the ball and it's gone in the net. Luck, pure luck, and uh, that's an upset about it. Well, again, it is luck. could have been if he shot to get the goal. Yeah, and then he's wrong. He did ask the goal. It's not luck. Well, he's lucky. He's lucky. He's lucky. He's lucky that Adrian has started backtracking and fallen ass overhead. It bounces like three times before goes anywhere. And so that's that's pick number four. Uh, pick number five. I feel like I may, may have like an anti-Manu agenda here. But I'm going to another Manu player. And it's more the commentary. I hate it. And it's, it's obviously Martin Tyler. Yeah. And it's Anthony Martial's goal against Liverpool. Where he's cut inside and he's made that Martin Skirtle look a fool. And I like the commentary. Martin Tyler's going over the top. And I'm just thinking... We see that goal maybe, you know, 10 to 15 times a season from different players just because it's Anthony Marshall and he's, he's this new player and he's supposed to be this huge French great to, to grace the Prem. I'm not buying into it. And, you know, I hate I hate it. I, I think, you know, Man United have scored much better goals since that don't get um, an, enough, enough celebration, enough applause. And that Martial goal is the whole thing of like, this guy's going to be a superstar because he's done this against Liverpool. Look at the Liverpool side back then, you know. Is that the same game where Benteke scored the bicycle? Yes. I think it is. I think it, I th- think it was, yeah. That, that good goes, yeah. Yeah, I, incredible. Yeah, so Rooney and Martial for me. So back to you, Sims. Strong. Um, oh, uh, I'm going to go. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with this one. Um, so... I'll stick to one of my favourite ever players, Xabi Alonso. And I remember watching Xabi Alonso score from his own half against Newcastle at Anfield. And it's all it's great. It's like, yeah, score from your own half. That's lovely. But when you've tried most games, kind of defeat your object. And also, Charlie Adam was a terror for that, by the way. I've never seen someone take so many shots from halfway. He took more, he took more shots from halfway than Roberto Firmino does from inside the box, which is <laughs> mad. Charlie um, Adams against Chelsea. And that's, yeah. that's what yeah. you've got to say. I uh, know. I'm going to go uh, with Xavi Alonso at home to Newcastle. Yeah. Simply because like, it trickles over the, over the line. It bounces a ton. 
it bounces actually just inside the six yard box, which shows how far Stephen Harper was out of his well, goal. And he slips as well. And he think. slips, exactly. So, really, it wasn't a really good shot. It was just the keeper fell. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. so you're saying Xabi Alonso got lucky? No, I'm just saying Xabi Alonso got what he deserved, but, you know, it's not, let's, let's just calm down with what a great goal. It's, I was uh, intrigued, Rob, that you went for a Rooney ahead of Alonso's. Is that your biasness coming out? Oh, absolutely. Good. That's not what I I've got depth, to me, see? Unlike Roy Keane. <laughs> Solid choice. So up to you, but right, I've only got two left. So because few might have been said. Now I'm going to go for a type of goal. Okay. Now I'm not saying that this isn't a hard skill because obviously it is. Mine are standard volleys from just outside the box that fly in. And I'm thinking Paul scores against Villa. I'm thinking ones like Danny Rose against Arsenal. When he made his debut, I think it was his debut. And Marty Tyler against people like Everton for Portsmouth. Now, obviously, a volley is a hard skill. But in my mind, if you gave footballers enough chances, they should, in theory, be able to hit a volley and get it close to the net without a keeper in there. Now, Paul scores his one. He hits it off the foot, hits the crossbar. Crossbar's there. Keeper's hands there. How's the keeper not saving it? He's bang in the middle of the goal. Keeper's got to do his job. Danny Rose one. Almunia, need I say no more. He's <laughs> all over the shop. And then Matty Taylor one, the goalkeeper's out of his area as well. And sorry to say if Berkey are going to pick this one, Wayne Rooney's one for Everton against West Ham. Again, great first time hit. Goalkeeper's nowhere to be seen. You basically hit in the ball into an empty net. Yeah, but I think on that one. And some of the volleys, I'm just going, I've seen enough volleys now in my time watching football. I'm going, is it really a great goal? I don't know. I don't um, know. But I, I think it's a really interesting choice. I, can I just read you uh, a little something from 12.26 on the weekend? Um, uh, so, would you agree? Danny Ings got a nice little volley in the weekend, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah? yeah. So, Danny Ings equals class. What a finish. And this was inside the box. That was draft related. This was Rick's Yeah, that's going to finish with a volley. That is pure four points. Added to my total for draft. Nothing to do with what I'm talking I about right Rolly, now. Conveniently, he's a love like the best type of goal. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying they're not. I'm not saying they're not. But some of the volleys are just way overrated. You're going, oh, come on. Do you know the, the Paul best scores one especially? It's going. It's right in the middle of the goal. It's a goalkeeper's fault basically. Yeah, he's I, hit there. Most footballers should be able to kick a ball like that. I do agree with that, and I and I agree. The ones that go bottom corner, like to look at, they're actually not that nice to look at. If you're going to do a volley, stick your top in. Oh, I don't know. You look at Suarez's volley where he knocks it over Tete and then... Oh, yeah. yeah, but, yeah, yeah but that's oh. not what I'm talking about because that is only Luis Suarez or very select few people could do that do that skill where he's flicked it over someone's head. He, it's bounced a couple of times. Early in the same game, he scored yeah. lovely one. Oh, yeah. one yeah, it was against Norwich, always was. Yeah. 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 40 yeah. yards. That, that's where I'm coming from. The volleys I'm seeing, can players... Who are not as good as someone like Lewis Suarez do it. And I've seen more than enough examples where somebody can. Lewis Suarez goal, I don't think I've seen anyone else do something like that. And yes. that's my basis, my argument. So. For all our listeners, um, as soon as the uh, restrictions are eased, we will all go down the field and we'll be chucking balls across goal for a basketball <laughs> <laughs> I'm a professional footballer. So, yeah. so no, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. I, so I think, I think but you, can, you can prove this theory by which we'll check. 
Fergal one, Fergal one flag, we neither. Robin goal, and we'll just put pin balls across and let you volley him. <laughs> he scored five goals at Bay back in the day. Who knows? How, how many volleys? None. <laughs> <laughs> right, Burks, wrap up this madness. Oh my God, I don't know where to go on this one. Um, Sergio Aguero's goal to win the league for Man City. Oh, oh my <laughs> gosh! <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, all I'll say is I watched it last night. Watch it back, right, and just look at the defending. Like, I'm not having to go at Aguero anyway. You watch the defending, but it's like when players are fake diving in and it looks exactly like that. Like that, The QPR players are just diving to the floor miles away from where Aguero is, miles away from where Baltelli is when he plays the assist. And it's like, what exactly is going on here? Because they're just yeah. falling to the floor with absolutely no reason whatsoever and letting Aguero come into the 60-yard box. And yeah, he's going to score a nice finish, one league, enjoy it, class. I'm having to go with the defending, and that is something goal deserves to be remembered for what it was, league winning goal. But no one has ever, I've heard mentioned the actual shambolic defending in that clip. And I think that's something I just want to draw attention to, just to take a big gloss off the goal. I still want the goal to be remembered, one of the greatest Premier League moments. But just what the fuck are QPR doing? <laughs> that's quite a take. Fantastic. Fair enough. Uh, Fair enough. Any any honourable mentions? One of mine was similar similar to Burke. Uh, Ryan Giggs's goal against Arsenal. Once oh. again, oh. the defend. <laughs> no, no, it's it's the defending is so oh. half-hearted. So, I watched that back because I I thought of that one and I watched it back and was like, I can't put this in. This is incredible. Because with uh, Giggs, he's running full speed, fifty yards. It's hard to defend than Aguero. It's basically walking pace around the box. Mario Balotelli's only assist. It's all that matters. I had Beckham free kick against uh, Greece to put what? England. It's keeper side. Mate, he took a door work. Oh, I, I, this is where I see. I think context is so important. No, it's like it's keeper side. Like it's he's won the league, man. Yeah, and that's great. <laughs> the defender was shocking. But Beckham's right. It's keeper side. Watch your back. It is the keeper side. It's not gone top top ends. Keeper should just be catching it and playing on. It's ridiculous. He keeps standing in the middle of the goal. The wall's on one side. Shocking from the goalkeeper. And the last one, Michael Owen, uh, Argentina, World Cup 98. Because Argentina, to stop the pace of Owen, played the normal system, so defence on halfway, but then Roberto Ayala on the edge of the box as like a sweeper behind the defence. And Michael Owen, he's just sprinting. Ayala, there's only one winner there. And obviously he gets remembered. Owen, again, like Aguero, has done everything right, perfect. But there's so much wrong from the defensive point of view. Like the Beckham one from the goalkeeper, you just can't question that more than actually go, right, that goal is one of the greats. No, it's not. It's awful defending. Another, one more overrated one I will mention, uh, Champions League semi-final 2012, Torres' goal against Barcelona. I mean, it's it's the reaction. I know it's kind of put them in the final. They were going to reach the final anyway. I think Ramirez's yeah. goal doesn't get enough enough praise. Doesn't get remembered really. He scored an absolutely lovely chip to put them in the driving seat. And I know John Terry got sent off, but they you know they were defending for their lives. And I mean that's all you have to do. Torres was waiting on the halfway line. Nobody with them. I mean 
you know, if you're if you're missing that, then you don't deserve to win a Champions League medal. But again, but it's the it's the context, isn't it? It's screw the, the context. Screw the context. The Taurus run, Rob makes a great point. It doesn't actually change anything. Yeah, yeah. The context is not part of it. And I remember watching it, and Chelsea were literally under the pump for well the whole half, basically, well, the whole game, more or less. Like so, when you have been defend, I I think of it as like. I'm watching it and thinking, oh my God, like class, not class for Chelsea, but just class is in that hell of a football moment. But if you're a Chelsea fan, I, if I was Liverpool now, if they were under the pub for, well, I've, I think a Champions League final, the Rigi goal, Liverpool weren't exactly under the pub. But when you're in that moment, I was thinking, oh God, like, if they could get one more and then you get that relief. I mean, I don't know, I think. Well, this, this list was, uh, you know, most overrated goals in our opinion and your opinion is wrong. <laughs> Last one, uh, uh, Rob, in Van Persie's head. Uh, yeah. Ike see is like 10 yards off his line. Van Persie doesn't actually have to do the diving head motion. It's, it hits his head, and then he dives, if you watch it back. <laughs> he does the head, and then he dives. So, yeah, I'd question that one as well. I think the still image is better than the goal. Yes. True. And also, Robin's goal in that game. Like where he's kind of gone up, but he's just made fools of the Spanish defenders and Casillas. We just say every goal ever, every goal ever, we could make a case. Right then, that's wrapped up our draft. Fantastic, and that also wraps up the pod as we've overrun with the Roy Keane chat. So we've got to pause it there. As it is pancake day, I haven't had mine yet. So thank you for joining, guys, and we'll speak next week. All the best. Cheers. Bye bye.